Good afternoon and welcome to the Daily French Show. I am your host for the week and hopefully your last one actually until um, Nicholas comes back from the US. My name is Magoni Maja. I'm here today with Sarah Gon and Terence Corrigan to send you off into hopefully what is going to be a lovely long weekend. Terence and Sarah, how are you both? Doing okay, doing okay. Well, thanks. Awesome. Um, hope we can keep that mood going <laughs> despite the news headlines that we have today. Our first story for the day is going to be about the NHI. I don't think we can sound the NHI alarm bells loud enough, um, but a bunch of headlines have made the media since the announcement that the NHI bill passed through the National Assembly as not, and is now uh, going through to the National Council of Provinces. So if you've been living under a rock, here goes the first headline. It reads, government wants additional taxes to move medical aid money to the NHI. Um, and it's from the Daily Investor. They said that the government wants to use additional taxes to fund its controversial national health insurance bill to provide good health care for all. Um, the Department of Health explained that the NHI would provide good health care for all by share, sharing the money available for health care among all people. However, there is a challenge, funding. The NHI's money bill, the financing part of the plan, which must come from the National Treasury, has not been published. It says the NHI relies strongly on money that currently flows into the private health care system, typically via medical aid schemes, to fund the NHI. But worry not, Health Minister Joe Pasha has a plan. He says that you will pay for it. Yes, taxpayers will pay for it. He said the people of South Africa have access to the same clinic or hospital, either public or private, closer to where they live without or work without paying. This is their goal. And it says government will pay. But Sarah, of course we know that when he says government will pay, he actually means the taxpayer, as Business Tech so rightly points out. What do you have to say about that? Well, I see in addition that uh, Minister Pachler has also said he would defend all the threatened lawsuits against uh, the department for NHI, but they, they must bring them on because it's their democratic right, constitutional right to do so. Um, I would, however, be a little bit worried but if I were him, not so much about the private lawsuits. There are going to be plenty of those. But the, 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 the Parliament's own legal advisors have said that the bill is unconstitutional. And, um, you know, I would, I would have been a little uh, concerned about that, particularly because the bill has been under discussion, or the, rather the issue of the idea of an NHI has been under discussion for over a decade. Um, and it's never been costed. And uh, I think I mentioned yesterday we're looking at probably $700 billion just to get it up and, uh, up and running. Um, and I think this, you know, there's something about health that is the, like the, the the last bastion of sanity. If, if anyone's going to interfere with, interfere with our right to to health, um, particularly health that we're paying for from after tax money, uh, it's going to be another tax, which I think he wants to have deducted by employers, um, much the way you would you are if. Um, he obviously hasn't taken into account the fact that the number of employers is shrinking and the number of people employed who are paying tax is shrinking. Um, it, 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 it's a bit like, it, it's, it's sort of like a fairyland. It's not based in any sort of reality. And, and I think the, the reality that it's really not based in is the fact that, you know, it can't rely on every 
private hospital to provide the services needed, although I think it's what they will try and do. Um, but I think it's about over 80% of government hospitals would not qualify to be NHR hospitals. So, you know, given the fact that I, I think I've just seen the land courts bill has just been passed by parliament, it's like a, a pre-election feeding frenzy, if one could call it that, on the part of the ANC. You know, let's put through all this popular stuff. We don't care whether the people actually want it, like it, or care about it, but we can do it, and we're going to, that's what we're going to do. So I foresee this may be the pressure on taxpayers that might actually cause that impossible thing called the tax boycott. Yeah, to Sarah's point, Terence, is this electioneering gone too far, given that we are ahead of the 2024 national elections? I particularly have been worried by some of the verbiage I've heard coming from both the minister um, and the National Health Insurance Deputy Governor, Nicholas Crisp, who actually said that um, about 550 billion is spent on healthcare last year, both in public and private sectors. And that of that 277 billion, which is just over half, was spent in the private sector alone. And that this was very wasteful, duplicative, and administratively intense <laughs> spending and that we can do without all that money and cover everyone. Um, how have you been receiving a lot of the information and the assurances coming from both the minister and the deputy <laughs> director general. Well, I don't know. I, uh, I think that, that that in in the demented south, one has to be uh, how can I put this delicately um, cautious about uh, about accepting um, about accepting assurances. Look, something that I think we need to uh, uh, we need we need to put put up front. This is about the is about the money. Uh, national health insurance per se is not about actually providing health care. It's about how it's about how you fund it. Now, um, sometimes this 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 gets confused um, that it's going to mean that you know your net care hospital becomes a, becomes a state owned enterprise. That's not what this this leg of um, of things is about. Um, but this is about you know what what. What seems to what seems to to uh, interest our government and ruling party most strongly, which is you know where uh, 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 where is the money? Um, is this just electioneering? Well, I think that's part of it, but I don't think it's the whole story. This has been uh, this was first floated in I think two thousand and nine, although various permutations of this have um, uh, this sort of idea have existed for a lot longer. South Africa, in a sense, does have universal health uh, health care. It's means tested, and you know you you get to go to a you get to go to a government hospital and uh, you know receive it on that basis. You know, the thing is that what what Crisp uh, is saying is, is he's not the only person I've heard saying this that yes, it is dupl uh, duplicative and inefficient and whatever. And you know, you might be able to make a uh, to make a case for that. Um, if indeed uh, putting everything into one state pot was an efficient solution, um, I can't think of anything more um, uh, more dire or destructive than uh, you know making law, you know establishing what is essentially a state-owned enterprise. In fact, this is how we, this is how you need to understand it. This is a new state-owned enterprise, no different from ESCOM, wh whose only function will be to collect and spend money. 
you know, if you can't if you can't see the danger in that, then you haven't been paying attention. You know, it's it, it's not like you know uh, when Eskom produces electricity. Okay, you know, and you skim ninety percent off the top and use the other ten percent to provide electricity. This is purely purely about spending and about collecting and spending money. It's also um, you know one where you have what is probably seen rightly or wrongly as a bottomless pit. Mm. You know, you've got everybody who uh, you know can be can be coerced or taxed into in, um, into healthcare. And yes, they've they've uh, their plan. Although they've never actually spelled out the funding, which is odd given that this is explicitly about. Let me say this again: collecting and spending money is how they are going to actually collect and spend this money. Um, but clearly, putting you know. Uh, uh, Putting your 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 medical aid contributions into that pot is 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 uh, is one way. So you know, uh, if you're spending, let's say, four or five thousand rand a month on your medic on your medical aid, and this is a big expense for a lot of uh, uh, for a lot of ordinary households. And in a sane society, you know, we shouldn't you know we shouldn't be paying this sort of thing. But uh, you know, health does 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 matter. It's one of those funny things, um, and. Um, the idea is to sort of levy taxes that um, are going are to redirect that. Now, if you want to spend, you know, over and above that, that that amount on top of cover, maybe that's something that they will graciously concede. But you know, if you want the heart surgery or or, what, or whatever designated benefits they intend to they intend to provide, uh, this will be the only way that the, uh, that they will be fundable in South Africa. And you know, they'll probably point to a country like 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 uh, Sweden, which. Um, uh, where you also have these sort of um, uh, uh, these sort of state-only restrictions in Sweden, for instance, you can't get medication that is not approved on their um, uh, on their national health system. But my point is always to say, well, you know, if the Swedes will give us their um, uh, their civil service, well, maybe we could talk about it on that basis. Incidentally, uh, South Korea, I think, it took them twenty-six years to introduce a kind of um, an NHI equivalent. Um, I, uh, yeah, the the idea that we are, that we are going to sort of do this in one big bang, which I remember was being discussed about ten years ago. Well, you know, uh, just fill in the blanks if you've been paying attention. If you haven't been paying attention, then I can't help you. Terence, let me push you on that and say perhaps the minister is right in that. If we all have our own medical aid service providers, then it is dupli duplicative that every single person is having a different service provider administer um, their medical services to them. Um, what's your take on that? And also just elaborate a little bit more. I know the IRR has a stop um, the NHI bill campaign yes. um, on some of the efforts that you've uh, put forward through that campaign. Well, look, um, As I say, um, it's 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 important to bear in mind that uh, technically South Africa does provide that um, uh, uh, provide that provide that universal health care. Yes, you know you you can make arguments about um, about the efficiency of what of, of 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 what we have, and I think that those are not those are not entirely without merits. The real danger, for, you know, from from uh, uh, for me is that there's, a, there's just absolutely no way that, that the envisaged system is going to be any kind of improvement. Uh, 
Um, you are talking about uh, a, a system in which the minister is able to appoint many of the officials responsible for, and I say it again, collecting and spending vast, vast amounts of money. We saw what happened when, uh, you know, some of the, um, uh, when something analogous happened during COVID, um, and we saw a looting frenzy that was just, um, uh, was actually quite shameless, even by our relatively, you know, uh, uh, unexpected standards. Um, yeah, you know, uh, if you if 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 you worried about the arms deal or you know, the, I mean, that, those guys were bikers. You know, there was a there was, there was a couple of grip and fighters that they had a few non-functional submarines that they had to that just skim off the top. Um, and you, you know, you worried about what happened with Eskom. Okay, that was just you know just power. You know, who needs it? Um, you know, think about this when it's. What like nine percent of GDP? Um, just you know, remember that that is going to be a quantum leap in tech in in in, in taxation. Now I know some uh, uh, some some businesses have been saying, well, you know, they uh, they should accept that there is a that there is a place for uh, for for medical aids on top of the NHI. Well, you know, I'm not sure what what what, what income bracket you fall into, uh, but I think you know, for most of us. Most of us living in a um, uh, in Mzanzi, uh, you can't, you know, the, the the sort of NHI levy or whatever they're going to call it um, is going to just make that is is going to make that is going to make that 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 simply unaffordable, and NHI will be all you sort of have have left. And I think that that is the intention. Yeah, so we're sort of having our hands tied behind our back, being gagged and told to fight through this. Sarah, do you have any closing thoughts? Uh, just, just, just a couple. Um, first of all, remember that Joe Parkler or whoever succeeds him will be the single person um, who, ha who has the ultimate decision making on, on healthcare in South Africa, which should send shivers down our spine. Um, the point that um, Michelle made about you know, the, the CEO of Discovery saying, don't worry, don't panic, you know, expropriating your uh, medical aid fees uh, is, is illegal. I, I agree with her. I think she, that's naive. But even if, even if you know, they, they don't immediately plan to expropriate or try to expropriate our medical aid fees, it, what, what business, and this business in particular, seems not to understand is the atmosphere the anticipation of the possibility of this happening that is as big a problem, almost as big a problem as it happening itself. In other words, once you've hit people with the provision of healthcare, um, it's, it's in another league altogether. And, uh, and, I, and I think, uh, I, I think discovery has been, I'm, I'm, let me put it this way. I, I'm waiting for the medical aids industry to show that it cares for its, its clients a little bit more than it cares for what government is going to steal from us. And if I if I can just say to everyone, uh, please go to our page ira.org.za and um, have a look. There's a campaign stop the NHI, and we would value everybody's support on this. Yeah, I agree. We'll need as many people opposing this as possible. And to your point, Sarah, it would be great to see medical aid insurance providers act in the best interest of their clients, um, with whom they cease to exist. 
Moving on to our second story for the day, we have a wonderful education report from the IRR making the rounds on the news. So the press briefing was held yesterday, but if you missed it, um, it did a bunch of news, uh, including on The Citizen. I saw that there was a headline there saying, school vouchers, IRR proposes radical shift to overhaul ailing education system. And then the second one was from SABC News, they read, it read rather that what kind of basic education is South African youth receiving? IRR's Caden Lang answers is we see Yeah, I thought Caden did a, a stellar job with not only providing uh, and really showing the state of South African um, education system, but also uh, to his point that the duopoly of education systems in South Africa did not necessarily end in apartheid but that it persists today. So the report is titled Overcoming the Odds, Why School Vouchers Would Benefit Poor South Africans and is partitioned into four sections. Um, the first three sections show you sort of the sort of education we have in the country. It points out in the first section, the inequality crisis. In the second, it shows early grade literacy and numeracy and the poverty trap. The third says barriers to early grade literacy and numeracy. And in the fourth, it's that radical solution, which is um, interventions in the form of school vouchers. If I can just read some of the, the statistics addressed in those first three sections, um, really highlighting some of the issues faced in our public education systems. Um, the first one says that in 2018, only the top 3% of South African high schools, the majority of which charge significant fees, produced more mathematics distinctions than the remaining 97% put together. Uh, the second shocking statistics reads that 48% of black grade three pupils pass mathematics compared to 85 white pupils in independent schools, um, 84% of grade fives can do mathematics in accordance with international norms based on TIMSS data compared to 67% in fee charging public schools and 25% in no fee public schools. I know Caden also shows um, how that distribution works across quintiles that in the first three quintiles um, people do not pay those are the non-fee paying schools and only in the last two quintiles does one really um, have an obligation to pay for fees. Sarah and Terence you are both on the um, webinar launching this education report let me start with you Sarah. Um, quality of education is dire education vouchers are a radical solution um, do you think the government goes for this one or does it just stay in the classical libertarian bubble? Uh, no, I, I think I think it's things are so bad that let's put it this way, this government is not going to go for vouchers or anything else. Because again, I think it's by implication, the, the, it's about having less money in the in the in the central pot and more control of the money by the parents. Who have the vouchers? I, I, I don't see them going from just from a you know somewhere in there they've got to be losing money for a start. Um, I think the problem also though is that on the very short term, for a lot of existing schools to be taken over for the voucher system um, or, or new schools created, you are talking about repairs, renovation, building, etc. So there's there's that's got to come in as well, and I, I don't think that's coming. I, I've seen. I mean, I, I used to do some work in Diplov, and um, there were two lovely 
the primary schools in within a, a few blocks of each other, and this is some I have to say some years ago, so probably about ten years ago, um, they closed them. Um, I don't know, and it, you know that's a highly concentrated living environment. I cannot believe that there would not have been enough kids in pri primary school age who could have used those schools. So that sort of thing is available, but it will take time, and it will probably take uh, private money to 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 rescue. I think it's 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 the sort of idea that has to come from a a party other than the ANC. I think it, it just doesn't accord in any way with the ANC's socialist uh, leanings and inclination. Um, and the, the the problem, of course, is that you have that mixed scenario where you have n n no not enough jobs being created, and at the same time, what jobs there are that have to be filled, people employers cannot find kids with the qualifications necessary to do those jobs. And it all comes down to the fact that at the end of the day, and and Caden looks at it at, at some length, um, your formative years, your your sort of grade R, even um, um, pre-primary education to the end of primary school, that's when the foundation has got to be laid. If it's not laid there, um, high school schools, high school kids are going to struggle, and that's why you get a large dropout rates or, or poor pass rates. Yeah, just speaking about also uh, details about how much this voucher will be worth, Caden um, provides that it's a universe, essentially a universal bursary program, and it would be to the value of 16,000 Rand, which he says is roughly the equivalent of per capita government spending on a pupil today. Terence, do you have any idea how this amount was arrived at? Well, look, um, uh, to answer your question directly, no. But um, all I can say is that uh, Caden is a is a very conscientious young man, and I'm sure that he uh, uh, that he would have sourced that. Um, look, I think that that uh, this this is a uh, this is this is a radical solution, and no, I don't see the, the incumbent government going for it um, for, for exactly the same impulse that 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 it's what it wants NHI. There is a great deal of money and political uh, power and patronage involved in education. Now, one of the reasons why so much of our education system is dysfunctional is that uh, it has come under the um, come under the sway of uh, particularly the South African Democratic Teachers Union, which uh, you know, and this isn't this isn't sort of uh, you know. Uh, neoliberal doom mongers, you know, uh, mouthing off about the evil unions. This is a government. This is the government's own report into the capture of education. Uh, this was, I think, this, the report was about five or six years ago. That said, said to effectively controls education in in in, in I think six provinces. Mm. Um, they have fought tooth and nail to prevent any kind of any kind of accountability. Uh, School inspections, anything that 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 promotes quality and can you know hold errant teachers errant teachers up. I mean, one figure that that uh, that Caden refers to is teacher absenteeism. I think you know we we outstrip the uh, uh, state schools uh, have more than double the amount of uh, of of of, of per, per teacher days absent than private than private schools, and uh, you know at. And are way above the uh, the average in in, in the southern in, in in Southern Africa. Um, you know, one one doesn't need to go to sort of high spending jurisdictions like Germany or Scandinavia 
Um, a country like Zimbabwe, you know, before uh, uh, before the government decided uh, decided that 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 that, that destroying it was uh, was politically convenient, actually had an excellent education system, uh, dedicated teachers. Um, you know that was that, that that was producing a very very um, uh, a, a very educated and aspirant population. In fact, you know this is one thing that a lot of people remember President Mugabe. You know, for all of his numerous sins, very you know uh, very positively for. Is that when he became um, uh, became prime minister of Zimbabwe in 1980, he made education a priority, not just in terms of making sure that 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 schools functioned well. And actually, they inherited a fairly a fairly decent education system, but in encouraging everyone to everyone to study. And apparently, you know, you go to any Zimbabwean university, and you would find all of the diplomats were enrolled at local universities. You know, getting their you know their honors degree or whatever. Um, that was you know that. That is not impossible for for uh, uh, for a country like South Africa, but if it's just seen as a sort of uh, uh, means to 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 exert patronage, the consequences are in a way even worse than what we've seen with ESCOM. Mm -hmm. I agree, Terence. I always warn that people assume that the government actually has a vested interest in ensuring that um, pupils even get quality education to begin with. And I see somebody in the right. comments, Fred, Kevin said, Sarah, Angie Motseha is incompetent. And of course we know because the job is not tied to her being able to deliver on key performance indicators if they are even there to begin with. Between that and the incestuous relationships government has with trade unions, do you see a way in which education could improve in South Africa other than, of course, through the school vouchers? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I no, no, sorry, uh, you. Please. They, 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 it's a bit like um, uh, like the NHI, like there are a million ways to improve health without sort of bankrupting the entire country and actually make sure it gets done. Um, with with the, you do have to emasculate a union like SATU. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be horrible, but you do have to. I mean, that, that's a stumbling block of the first order. Another thing is, of course, treating your your teachers and your teachers as employees, which they are, and disciplining them properly, so that the, you know, these are these are things faced. If they're faced by poor, poorly performing companies, the companies eventually go under. Um, part of the success of any organisation is making sure that people are either, you know, self-disciplined, or if where they where they are not self-disciplined, or the things come off for some reason, there are processes in place to to deal with that. Now they are in the in the public sector. They either just aren't or. You know, since everything has to go through the provincial departments, um, you, you know, you're long gone before you, you, you get the necessary result. And it's very important that your senior management at a school, like the principals and the deputies, have the responsibility for that. They must have the authority and they must have the power. And by all accounts, from, from research that the late John K. Berman did, um, the very good poor schools were about very dedicated, very hardworking principals mm. inculcated that into their, into their staff. This is very true. So I actually shared this report with my mother, who is also a viewer of the show. So hi, mom. Uh, but she also teaches at a quintile, <laughs> quintile one school. And one of the things she said to me after sharing this report with her and suggesting the voucher system was that there are so many ex external factors that affect a student's mm. Um, coming from um, this sort of environment where one would be going to an unfee paying school. And one of the things she mentioned was, for example, child-led households. Um, yep. And whether uh, proposals like this, though good, would address that 
And in fact, we actually have a story uh, queued for today about teenage pregnancy, the teenage pregnancy crisis in KZN, where the KZN health minister, uh, health MEC, Nomagugu Simelane, delivered a stern call for parents to take a more proactive role in raising their children in an effort to mitigate the rising rates of teenage pregnancies. Uh, KwaZulu-Natal has apparently registered 26,515 pregnancies among girls aged 10 to 19 between April and December last year. I mean, Sarah, this is a shocking statistic. Um, it's not clear why teenage pregnancies continue to rise, despite the fact that it seems there are so many resources available out there for children to really um, make the right decision. Um, do you think this is a role for government or do you, like the MEC, agree that parents need to really step up in this area? I, I think that I think the government can play a supportive role and it can be involved to some extent in education and providing other resources. But sadly, I think at the end of the day, it is it is parents, it is family, it is community. Um, and presumably one's dealing with um, single parent households that can't cope with particularly with dealing with, with, with teenagers. Um, you, you, also, the, the, I don't know, maybe mores have changed. Uh, churches may or may not wield the influence they used to. But one of, the, one of the really scary things are the number of kids who are impregnated by much older men on the basis that they keep... They support the family. They provide the economic, uh, the financial needs. And horrible as it is, one can kind of understand why that would happen. Uh, but here, the role, huh, I was going to say, of the police would be that if a man impregnates anyone from 16, 10 to 16, which is what the rate, the age seems to be, it's not the that's it. It is statutory rape. And until people actually start getting punished for it, sad as it may be for the finances of the, of the family, it has got to be a consider it's got to be dealt with as a crime that it that it that it is, and it's got to be um it's got to be unattractive to guys with more than lots of money in their pockets. Closing comments to you, Terence. Grievous or oh, huge consequences for people who act in. You know, I think that look. I'm 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 old enough to remember the 1980s, and something that that left a big imprint on my mind was uh, listening to an interview with the uh, late editor of Sowetan Agri Cluster, and he said that one of the great tragedies of South Africa was the way our family structures had um, had fallen apart. And he said that this is especially so given that. All communities, you know, white, Asian extraction, African, had very strong community um, uh, commu uh, family bonds. And I think a lot of this goes to the legacy of migrant labor. And it's sort of now three, four generations in. Um, mm. there, was, there, there was a report, I think, from StatsSA about three months ago that something like uh, two-fifths or 40% or so of children are, uh, only live with one with one parent, could be higher. Um I don't, you know, I that that is a that is a so you know a, a sociological crisis. I, I don't know how um, uh, how one deals with that. And I think one of the problems is saying, well, parents must step in. In many instances, one or both parents is just not around. Um, you know, I think my my sense, and I, I I I don't know how we get we we sort of get beyond this. And I know it's chronically um, inadequate to say. 
but you know it's for those those men who think that you know like uh, uh, getting a nice young sugar baby you know is 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 fun to actually you know exhibit some conscience um you know uh, um i can i can imagine in well you know actually knowing something about uh, about the anthropology of of traditional african societies you know to impregnate um a, a young woman you know you would be held fully accountable for that uh you know that means you know marriage support and recompense to the uh, 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 to the family now we're not living in in you know zulu land in 1810 anymore but and you know I, i'm also very much about people you know shouldn't be dictated to by the um uh, you know by their by, by their social mores but i think that we we abandon those things that that uh, that that hold a society together at our peril exactly what you know how how we translate this i've got no idea no despair all around with not too much um <laughs> i stand to be corrected but i do think nick is coming back on monday so may he have a safe flight back home uh we miss him on the side of the internet and to everybody watching have a lovely um youth day tomorrow and we hope to see you back here on monday thank you and goodbye bye bye